1: Welcome into the QB Go show. This is episode 38 brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kiss. You can follow me on Twitter at Michael Kiss NFL. That's K-I-S-T. And as always, to break down the upcoming at quarterback and some Carson Wentz talk, of course, is QB1 in my heart. He is Mark Schofield. Mark. How you doing, brother?
2: I'm doing well, Mr. Kissed. It's always great to see your bright and smiling face on a Wednesday morning. <laughs> and it's always great to hear from our gentle listeners. We got a lot of feedback on the old Twitter machine last week on our episode. Some of it, some good-natured ribbon about my ever-present and always flagrant Boston accent. And I more than understand that. We also heard from one of our favorite listeners in the past few days, Shane Half, who is at underscore half and half via the old Twitter machine with this bit of insight. Quote, is it just me, or do the Eagles press conferences seem a little bit like Nero playing his fiddle while Rome burned to the ground, parentheses even if it didn't really happen, close parentheses I think that's a little exaggerated.
0: Maybe. A little bit,
2: a little bit, but I like the <laughs> reference. And yeah. you might think, gentle listener, that this would tee up a discussion of the Nero fallacy, but we're going in a different direction. We're going to talk actually about a different leader watching his city burn in this week's historical reference. Now- oh. I am currently working through a new book. That's right. I still read. It's, it's kind of fun. And I'm holding up here for everybody new on News Channel 8. It is Sailing True North, 10 Admirals in the Voyage of Character by retired U.S. Navy Admiral James Stavridis. And now the retired admiral and former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO's, his recent book, which I'm reading, it puts 10 historical admirals under the microscope and examines their leadership style and character. The first admiral he studies Themistocles, and no, not the best running back in Nescac history, and my former teammate Tom Themistocles, (laughs) but rather the Greek admiral. Now, look, last week we talked about the Battle of Thermopylae, and after that, the Greek forces planned to make a final stand in the vicinity of Athens. But before that battle, Themistocles proposed two courses of action that must have sounded absolutely insane at the time. First, rather than sacrifice the inhabitants of the city under siege. Themistocles thought it better to sacrifice Athens and have the inhabitants evacuate. They could rebuild the city, but could only do so with people alive to do the work. So civilians took to the hills while Themistocles' crews and his ships took refuge on the island opposite the port of Piraeus. They and the civilians alike watched as the Persian army burned Athens to the ground. The second course of action was this. He wanted to turn the numbers advantage enjoyed by the Persian navy in his favor. The Greek navy was badly outnumbered by about five to one. So Themistocles proposed that they fight in the Narrows and the Strait of Salome rather than in open water. In such constrained areas, the Persians could not use their numbers advantage and sort of enclose their navy around the Greek ships. Mm -hmm. And the approach worked. In a victory that is, as the Admiral points out, still studied at the Naval Academy to this day, the Greek navy defeated the Persian navy and the threat from Xerxes was beaten back. So what did our hero Themistocles get for this dual-pronged approach and victory? A dramatic reversal of fortune. He was brought down by political opponents, exiled from Athens, and believe it or not, forced to flee to Persia. Mike, a dramatic (laughs) reversal of fortune to be sure. But is that more or less dramatic than what has happened to the Philadelphia Eagles from this summer to today?
1: I'm telling you what, the the I was trying to figure out which way to go with this because choosing to watch Athens Burn is like choosing a rebuild. But then also you've got like like this guy took Athens Burning, which was the Chip Kelly era, and then got turned on, which is basically kind of what's happening to Howie Roseman, right, Doug Peterson right now. I mean, they're not going anywhere. People, people seem to think that they need to be fired or whatever. It's it's, it's a little panicky. It's a little panicky it's after winning the playoff game last year. A little panicky you know. right now. Um, but you know, expectations have not been met. Not everybody is living up to it. So I do I do like that correlation. Press conference has been really weird, man. Like Doug's saying some stuff, like, brother, say it or don't. Like, right. what are we what are we what- It's it's <laughs> absurd to sort
2: of see what is happening around the Philadelphia Eagles right now from sort of an unbiased perspective, looking And It's like yeah, there's infighting, there's yep. sort of backroom dealing, yeah. there's people getting stabbed in the back. You've got players fighting. And I will say I do not partake in this. I do not feel this way. But there is certainly some sort of Schenden Freud, shall we say, amongst <laughs> Patriots fans. When you're seeing Lane Johnson griping after the comments he made, oh, yeah. I'd rather win one Super Bowl and have fun doing it than win five and be miserable. A lot of people sort of in the New England area, are like, how, how much fun are you having now, Lane? How much yeah. fun are you having? Now, I'm oh. not, I, I am certainly not saying stuff like that. I'm just the messenger here. So I don't. have.
1: Yeah. I, I said it in the reaction show. How much fun are we having now?
2: Right. it's, it's When you, you've got you know, people worried about anonymous sources, yeah, you know, Malcolm Jenkins now. What is Lane talking about? People aren't late to meetings. I don't know where he's getting that from. <laughs> it seems bad right now. And does it get better? It might get better this week. You got Buffalo, you got yeah. Josh Allen. We'll talk about, you know, young Josh in a moment. And <laughs> you know, oh, you've got a buy coming up true. You've got Chicago and Mediocre Mitch at yeah. best Mediocre Mitch right now. So you can write the ship. Look, you get to five and four into the bye, you got a shot,
1: yeah. but it's not good. You know how bad it would look for my brand if the Eagles were to drop two games in a row to Josh Allen and Mitchell Trubisky. And like I say, it would be bad, but it's not because I have been just ripping this defense to shreds for what they've been doing. And and I'll be getting into it with Benjamin Solak in the film review pod. And that's, that's another story for another day, but... Man, I don't know who they can stop.
2: That would be a tough week for a lot of people. This week would be a tough week for a lot of people. I mean, let's face it, if Josh Allen beats Carson Wentz, (laughs) I'm going into hiding next week. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to show my face on the timeline because that's a tough (laughs) one. And then if Mitchell Trubisky, (laughs) that's an L that I don't think anybody wants to eat. Now, I don't see that happening because let's face it, Mitchell Trubisky could stand in front of a wall and miss the wall right now.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like,
2: and we could talk about him in a moment, but. I suppose we have to talk about Wentz. Mike, where do you want to start? Where can we start?
1: Well, yeah, let's, let's, I got some things to say on Wentz and let's, let's get into him because on a scale from like General Gideon Pillow to 10, this was like the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. And and some people will take this as like no big deal, bury their head in the sand. They're wrong to completely ignore this performance against the Cowboys. There are also people that will say, and I'm looking at you, Philly media, that this is really what Carson has been. That's silly. But this was the worst I've seen from Carson since the Saints game last year. He was indecisive. His pocket management invited pressure that led to unnecessary hits and sacks and fumbles. I'm probably known as a Carson defender, but he didn't give me any room to defend him on this one. The only bright spot. Hell, this isn't even a bright spot. I don't know what I'm saying. Because the Eagles have needed Carson Wentz to play high-level ball to keep them in games. Games that they lost that were not on him. He doesn't get the luxury of... Of Josh Allen or Mitch Trubisky, where he gets to stay in a 10 to 16 game or a three to ten game and said he gets eight passes in one half and he's down twenty-seven to ten. And I'm not saying this to defend Carson's game against the Cowboys despite the defense. I'm saying this because of the defense and the help that he's getting around him, because it's so poor that I'm pulling every fire alarm in the building right now because based off this performance, the the, the Eagles is not a team that can afford average or a poor game from Carson, even by his standards. They got both in the last two weeks, and got blown out early, and got blown out easy. So yes, I believe it's 100% right to criticize Carson for this Cowboys game, but recognize why he can't have a bad game. Because there have been plenty of worse quarterbacks with similarly bad games that get bailed out by their supporting cast, and still give their quarterback a chance to right all the wrongs at the end. Carson does not have that luxury right now. I think he knows it, and I'm worried about how much it affects him.
2: Yeah, I think that's incredibly well said. They need him right now to play A-plus games to win games. And a C performance isn't going to get it done. A D performance isn't going to get it done. And that's what we saw the past couple of weeks here, especially last week, Sunday night against Dallas. Because, you know, the words you used, Mike, I think is perfect. Indecisive. We saw a slow Carson Wentz. We saw an unsure Carson Wentz. We saw on multiple plays, multiple route concepts where we've seen him be decisive in the past. We saw him be unsure of himself. And think about what we talked about last week. You know, you asked me, are we going to start to see more of Carson Wentz start to be unsure of himself, start to question the talent around him? And I said, look, if we start to see more and more plays of him double clutching, being slow to get the ball out, that's when we know that the uncertainty of what is around him is starting to get into his brain. Well, Mm. what did we see Sunday night? We saw him double clutching. We saw him be slow. Second and four, 923 mark of the first quarter. Two curls to the right, one out of Y iso. He is slow. The ball can come out either to either of those curl routes quickly. He opens yes. to the left instead. It's a yes. deep curl in the flat. He has the deep curl. He could throw that. He's got routes open. He doesn't pull the trigger. The initial hesitation causes a problem. We crushed in the build up to Super Bowl fifty three. Jared Goff for being slow, for being yep. undecisive, for
1: hesitation stuff. This is what we're seeing from Carson Wentz. You know, people people put this play on the sack because Next Gen Stats had this as the quickest sack of the week by Demarcus Lawrence, and look, he flat out beat Lane Johnson on a cross chop. But right. this is this is a play that I had outlined for the film review pod with with Benjamin Solak because you're right, the top of his drop. He has two anticipation throws he can make. Maybe maybe one because Matt Collins is a little slow getting due to his break, but he can still make that throw. He's also looking at Zach Ertz, and that's who eventually he wants to get the ball out to. Throw it earlier. Yeah. What, what, what else are you waiting for right. if you're not getting rid of that? That's exactly right. And. I'm glad
2: that you brought up sort of the fact that this was put on the offensive line. It was a quick sack, whatever. He's got routes he can throw here. Yeah. When we talk about the idea of a quarterback elevating the level of play of those around, when we talk about this idea of, look, he needs to play perfect, this is an example of it. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got two options here, and maybe look, like you said, that deeper curl, maybe he's not trusted, he's a little slow to get into his break, fine, you want to throw the ball to Zach Ertz anyway, he is open, it is second and four, he is open at the sticks in front of the linebackers, Yep. we talk about this all the time on the show, take what you can get, move on to first and ten now, instead, he hesitates, he gets sacked, they lose the football, Dallas scores a touchdown on the next play. 14 nothing. boom. Yeah, 14 <laughs> nothing. what are you going to do at that point? You're down 14-0 on the road. Now you absolutely have to play perfectly. And part of the reason why you have to do that is because of what you just did. Look, I adore Carson Wentz. My thoughts on him are well known. I have a Carson Wentz jersey that I was going to wear for this show, but then I decided at the last moment I probably shouldn't because of what I had to say. (laughs) I want the guy to win. I was rooting for him. We were all rooting for him. (laughs) Look. Like, this was a bad performance, and we can say that.
1: Yeah, there, there's no way to really to really sugarcoat it, and, and I guess what you hope is it's an aberration. But I, the, the thing that worries me so much is exactly what you brought up. We talked about this last week. Yeah. We said that this might be a problem, and if and if it's going to get in his head, this is what you're going to start to see, and that extremely concerns me, because this team cannot win without him.
2: No, and, and what was sort of the takeaway from the Monday night game? It was that moment when he was mic'd up and Sam Darnold was sitting on the bench saying, I'm seeing, <laughs> seeing ghosts, ghosts, right? Yeah. Here you go. Like, this is it. Like, we've got a quarterback in his third, what, fourth year now, mm. and he's seeing ghosts. Yeah, like that's what's happening. And yes, it is partly due to the fact that he has to play perfect and he knows it. But the doubt that is creeping into his brain is now his problem. Maybe it was created by external forces, but it's incumbent upon him to raise his level of play. And we didn't see that Sunday night. And yes, there were like, if you want to look at the first and 10th row to 1324 in the first quarter, the deep shot to Alshon Jeffrey, where he kind of overthrows him. Alshon got ridden to the inside a bit. He aligns well outside the bottom of the numbers. He releases to the inside. He gets jammed to the bottom of the numbers, so he gets jammed off of his landmark. He has to bend back to the outside. If you look at where Wentz puts that ball, it's right on his initial path. It's just Alshon doesn't get back to that initial path quickly enough. That leads to the incompletion. You can look at the touchdown throw to Goddard where they yeah. catch Dallas in that combo three Mabel coverage. you got Meg on the backside. You've got the linebacker trying to run. What did we say? Throwing over the top of linebackers last week. Yes, that was sir. a fantastic read and throw. They had some good plays, but they had to be perfect as a, you know offspring of what everything had. That happened earlier in the game.
1: That really was a, a beautiful throw to Goddard on yeah. that one. That was the bright spot, man. What did you see from from like his pocket management? Because there were times where I felt like he didn't need to get hit. And I know he was pressured over 40% of the time in this game. He only had seven plays where the ball came out in less than 2.5 seconds. I didn't feel like he was navigating the pocket really well. And, and, and this is another example I wanted to talk about with, with Benjamin Solak. But there was a third and 10 early in the game. And I believe it was. Let me get the timestamp for you, Mark. It was 7:21 left in the first quarter. Third and ten. Third and eleven is what the scoreboard says. But this is the overthrow to Alshon Jeffrey. They've got the double. They've got the mirrored Haas concept. Yep. When he moves, he 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 runs himself directly into Jalen Smith. Yeah, just. For what? <laughs> There's absolutely on this play no reason for him to slide. Yeah.
2: And this is another trouble and example of hesitation because if you look at when he moves. Yeah. The ball should be out. If
1: you're going to make that throw, it's got to go he out He knows earlier. he's throwing the hitch, right? Yeah. It's mm-hmm.
2: Haas. It's mirrored Haas. And you've got off coverage on both hitch routes on the outside. And you've got both seam routes. The one he's he opens to the left here, the seam gets jammed. So he's not going to be able to throw the seam, even though you'd like to do that against a single high look. So he knows he's going to have to throw the hitch. Hit your drop, hitch, and get the ball out. Instead, he waits for some strange reason, because the corner is in bail technique. So yeah. it's going to be open. Get the ball out. Instead, he hesitates for some strange reason. Maybe he's worried that the defender's going to peel off the seam and get under the hitch. Yeah. That might be the concern. But to compound the problem, he fades and slides to the left in the face of the pressure rather than climb in the pocket a little bit. Yeah. And so that's a great example of the hesitation, and, like you've pointed out, the pocket management that wasn't there. And this might be another example of sort of seeing and feeling ghosts in the pocket because he's getting pressured, like you said, like 40% of his snaps and throws. He was pressured in this game. So that's another example of the stuff we don't want to see from him. The things we were worried about last week and coming into this week, we saw them play out down at Dallas.
1: Yeah, so it's got to get fixed quick because well, you go to Buffalo and you face that defense in their home, things can get real rough real fast for an offense. That's for sure.
2: What concerns me about Philadelphia headed into this game is... You know, we're worried about Carson Wentz and indecisiveness and being slow and not trusted what he's seeing. You look at what Buffalo has done to Tom Brady. This is something <laughs> I have seen over the past couple of seasons play out. Yeah. When I sat down in week 16 last year after the Patriots beat Buffalo, I remember sitting down to do my show. I was locked on Pats at that time. And I just said into the microphone, I don't know if this passing game is good enough to win a playoff game because <laughs> they can't throw the ball. Yeah, And it's more a byproduct of what Buffalo does defensively than anything that Tom Brady was doing at the time. And if you look at what they're able to do, they're able to confuse Tom Brady a bit, which sounds ludicrous. Yeah, But their safeties are so good at spinning at the snap where you don't know what you're getting until maybe a second, second and a half into the play when they finally have to declare their coverage. Mm. And if we've seen Carson Wentz be indecisive when – on this play, it's clear what they're doing defensively. Yeah. Good luck on Sunday at Buffalo. That's something I'm really worried about going into this game from the Eagles viewpoint, which is they're going to be really slow with their reads now. They're going to be really indecisive. And it's not just Wentz. Remember, so many routes in every NFL playbook right now, they convert based on coverage. Mm-hmm. So maybe Wentz reads it right, but Hollins might not. Right. Aguilar might not. Jeffrey might not. Ertz, or they might not. And if everybody's on different pages, you're not going to be successful as a passing game.
1: And I, and I wonder if that's, you know, when, when the anonymous quote came out and he talked about simplifying the offense, this offense can't get a whole lot simpler, but one area right. where they could, all those option routes for the receivers, it just seems like they're not on the same page. There's not a whole lot of trust right now. So maybe that that's something they can they can dumb down. A little bit, especially for the uh, for the young guys, since they're having to get so many snap out of snaps out of Mac Hollins, of all people. Nice. Anyway, maybe maybe something that can bail out the Eagles next week is Josh Allen. We're going to talk about it when we come back here on the QBSCO show.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team.
1: And we are back here on the QB Show, episode 38, Bleeding Green Nation, SB Nation. I'm Michael Kist here with QB1 in all of our hearts, Mark Schofield. Mark, look, I think it's telling of Josh Allen, a Buffalo quarterback here, that he is 14th of 38 in PFF's adjusted completion percentage metric. That's despite being 27th of 35 when you look at only throws past 20 yards. What the analytics are telling you on this guy and what my film study has told me and it all lines up is – that allen has gotten better accuracy from his short to intermediate game than what he got as a rookie in my opinion but his deep ball game is the same and by the way his deep ball in 2018 also ranked 27th in adjusted completion percentage that part hasn't changed for him the bills had a chance to put miami away came on third and five fourth quarter 911 left bills are up 17 to 14 allen misses roberts by i don't know seven to eight yards without exaggerating on a deep shot that, that could have just put that game away Allen wasn't the problem in this game for the most part he's been a problem for them before i thought this was a decent outing by him and like i said he has made improvements otherwise accuracy short to intermediate decision making he's had longer stretches without funks of just awful awful decisions but at the same time, if, you, if you're going to beat the Eagles and you're going to rack up points and get the offense to the point where they're going to have to boat race and that's where the Eagles have faltered, you got to hit the deep ball, brother. You have to hit the deep ball. And that's something that Josh Allen has just been very, very bad at this year.
2: Yeah. And it's a bit of a studded reversal, almost a dramatic reversal of fortune like Themistocles enjoyed after <laughs> you know the Battle of Salome. But if you think back to the 2018 draft and the idea of josh allen quarterback prospect what you would have said what i said what many said was he gives you the ability to push the ball downfield he's got an incredible arm but where he struggles is with touch with feel i comped him to happy gilmore Mm. it's like look he's got the deep game but he needs to learn how to putt he doesn't throw routes underneath with precision with touch with placement mustang arm can't drive stick yeah this season, Brian Dable has turned him into a timing and rhythm passable touch. Yeah. Like, if we're going to give out awards for, you know, coordinator of the year, Brian <laughs> Dable needs to be in the mix because what he's done with Josh Alm is unbelievable. Like, he had a couple of throws in that game against Miami where it's like, this is touch that we haven't seen from him. The one you with know, Duke th- Williams? Third quarter, first to 10, 204, under center, play action play. It's got a crosser bender from right to left, has touch to get it over. You know, the underneath defender gets it over the trailing defender for a first down. That's the type of throw, Mike, that he could never make yeah. when he was at Wyoming. You That's look the one at Duke the, Williams. Yeah, pretty- yeah, you look at when he was at the Bowl. we all remember the moment when they set up that little <laughs> fence with all the little, like, pockets that you throw into yeah. from, like, 10 yards away. <laughs> and Mayfield up. is nailing them. Just, yeah. like, throwing it right into each pocket. It's like, man, this is pretty impressive. It's almost like Drew Brees. And I think Allen hits somebody in the stands. Like, didn't even <laughs> hit the fence. And you're like, this guy just can't get feel. Yeah. That's what we're not what we're seeing from him now. He's throwing with timing. He's throwing with rhythm. But at the same time, he can't hit a deep shot right now to save his life. Yeah. And so this little flip we've seen from him is almost incredible in a sense. What's interesting with him, when push comes to shove with Josh Allen right now, the same plan B is still there. His plan B is run. I'm going to move to the right, flush yeah. to the right. If I can throw it as hard as I can downfield, great. Otherwise, I'm going to run. Like, yep. like that is still present with him. And so I think, look, not to say that like teams should try to copy the New England Patriots as much as they can, but you want to pressure this kid. You want to move him, out, get him to move out of the pocket. You want to get him to move off the spot. They want to be sort of a timing and rhythm offense right now. Take that away from them a bit. You know, pressure him on the interior, use some blitzes. New England had no qualms playing zero blitz against him. Right? Like, look, we trust you not to hit stuff downfield. (laughs) And if you hit stuff that you haven't been hitting yet, like, fine, good, you win, great job. But we're going to trust that you can't. So if they want to go some zero blitz against him, you know, force him to make precise throws under pressure, you can probably do that and get away with it because he hasn't shown the ability to overcome those type of looks yet. But the growth of him as a timing and rhythm passer is pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it was wild to me when I when I went through his tape, and one one thing that I noticed, especially early on in the season, and I haven't taken a real look back at at his pocket movement yet, but I remember week one, I put something up on Twitter where I said, you know, pocket management is the is the quiet art of subtle movements. And right now, Josh Allen is breaking every noise ordinance in the neighborhood. How has that developed for him?
2: I mean, he's still racking up the fines and the misdemeanors. I mean, <laughs> it, like you said, first of all, that's a beautiful way to describe it. You know, the quiet art of subtle movement. That's a great way to phrase pocket movement. And if you want to sort of understand how a quarterback should handle the pocket, you know, Tom Grady is a great example. Yeah. You know, Aaron Rodgers is a great example. Like you don't have to be an Uber athlete to be athletic in the pocket. You know, those subtle movements, the slides, the clicks and climbs, it doesn't have to be incredibly athletic, but just enough to create space. I've often used the fighter example. You picture two boxers in the ring. Yeah. Like, look at how a boxer will use his feet to create just enough space to either avoid a punch or get off a punch. You don't have to run around like a madman. You don't have to be loud like Josh Allen. You have to be subtle, quick, and quiet. And that's the way to handle a pocket. Allen isn't there yet. And he may never get there. Now it still may work for him in a sense because he's so athletic and big and strong. He can be almost Roethlisberger esque in how he handles pockets, but it still does expose him to hits. And so you wonder about sort of the viability and the long term ability of him to stay upright.
1: When I when I watched this Dolphins game, I thought in the first half, and I and I said that you know this a lot of this wasn't on Allen, but I think there was still some blame on him. When I was watching live, did Josh Allen kind of revert to a runner a little quick, a little, a little quick for 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 your taste? Because I yeah. felt like he did.
2: Yeah, he still does that. And again, it, it, it's his plan B mentality that is still present, which is I'm more athletically than some of these guys. And so if I don't trust what I'm seeing, or if I don't like the look that I get, or if I feel the slightest bit of pressure, I can transition into runner. And the thing with him is he doesn't transition back to passer well enough yet. Right. A, a great, you know, Patrick Mahomes, one of his beautiful traits as a quarterback is when he feels pressure, he might transition to runner. But he remains able to transition back to passer in the blink of an eye. He always keeps those eyes downfield. He's always scanning for targets. You know, he never fully commits to one or the other. He's always able to do both deep into a play under duress or not. Allen doesn't have that ability right now. And again, he may never have that ability, he may never develop it. But if he starts to get those feet moving, he doesn't really transition back to passer. It reminds me Pete Constantopoulos. Mm. Old crotchety baseball coach slash wide receivers coach at Wesleyan University. He was a guy, and I've told you about him before, Mike. He would unwrap the cigar in the team film room, pop the cigar in his mouth, start chewing it, no spit cup. Just that (laughs) kind of guy, right? Love him. And whenever I would start moving my feet as a quarterback, he would yell, you never move back. Once those feet get going, you're a runner, and that's all you're ever gonna be. It was like Mick. <laughs> I wanted to ask him to cut my eye. Yeah. But that's Josh Allen right now. He gets those feet moving. He doesn't move them back.
1: When he's when he's just a runner, though, like when he's a designed runner. I mean, we saw this on the two-point conversion against the Dolphins. Yeah. They are a little power here. Kind of like Lamar the Lamar Jackson fourth and uh, fourth and two. That was man, that the clip of that going oh, into yeah. that. It's yeah. just that guy – you you,
2: go for it, coach? Yeah. yeah, yeah, let's go for it. He's turning the guys inside. Like, you want to go for it? Like, yeah, like I, I was yeah, like, right. I want to go for it too. Can I go for uh,
1: Can I go for it? Yeah. yeah, exactly. But, I mean, the dude is dangerous as yeah. a runner. This is a big dude that is very athletic. And when you get him on these design runs, it just adds an element to this offense. I feel like this Buffalo offense – can be more dynamic than it is if they get more consistent play, not only from Allen but the pieces around him. But you, you can see how this could work for them. This could this could definitely help their their red zone production too. Because man, when he gets going, he's got he's just got to be smarter at getting down in certain situations, though. Because he's a he. I'm just gonna say he's a dumb dumb. Sometimes he cleared yeah. per concussion protocol, came back the next week, third and ten. Decides to bail the but just straight up the middle, I'm going to lower my head into a yeah. linebacker. What are you doing? You haven't even been responsible than that. <laughs> yeah, you do. You have to protect himself. And it's a bit Wentzian, in a sense,
2: because yeah. we talked about Carson Wentz in previous weeks about his sort of willingness to put himself on the line and whether that's going to, while it makes him fantastic to watch and you want to play for him, you wonder about the long-term viability. Yeah. You know, they're running 18-19 power. Yeah. I mean, that's like, you know, D team pop Warner stuff. Like, look, just take the snap. Everybody get in front of them, run to the left run to the right. Like, we don't want to risk a handoff. We don't want to make you throw the ball. It's just 18, 19 power. That stuff I was running when I was 10. Yeah. But they're running it in the NFL because it works. But at the same time, get down, you yeah. know? When you get 10 yards, get down. When you come up the middle and you see a linebacker, don't try to run them over because they get paid to put guys like you in the hospital. You get paid to get back to the huddle and throw the ball on the next play. Make a business decision. I know sometimes you mock guys all that up, put their body on the line you know, Cam Newton in the Super Bowl, not dive it in for a fumble. Sometimes it's okay to make a business decision, especially week seven against Miami.
1: Yeah. We're going to need you the next play boss. Right. You know, not, not every situation is a dire situation like that. So, okay. That's going to do it on the chat for the, the Buffalo Bills and Philadelphia Eagles, their two quarterbacks locking horns in a very, very important game for, for the Eagles and probably my sanity as well. I would just, I would just really love for people to stop just Eagles fans just don't add me right now. Just stop stop adding me with Downs. I don't want the girls, negativity. <laughs>
2: leave, leave Mike alone yeah. right now. Okay? Damn it. Mike, Mike's I see Mike in the DMs. You know, <laughs> when Mike gets into the group DM at 249 in the morning, <laughs> I could tell that he's under a bit of stress. Sometimes I wake uh, up and I'm uh, like, What has Mike done overnight? What did I use? He's working uh, through some things, guys. Just I was
1: just, watching this defense. At three a.m. in the morning is—it's is, is got to be the most. it got to be the dumbest decision that I've ever made because I'm—it's already, already late. I'm starting to get a little. Starting to get a little tipsy. Starting a little angry because I'm know I'm sleep deprived and I got to watch this dumb Jim Schwartz defense just do inexplicable things there for is sixty minutes.
2: Running through my mind right now, a script for the Shining two <laughs> All off coverage and busted assignments make Mike a dull boy.
1: I love that. I love that we're so, gonna we're gonna have to meme that yeah we got to meme that right now get it mark. on the timeline <laughs> say goodbye to the gentle listeners mark goodbye gentle listeners <laughs> <laughs> and we are out of here perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.
0: More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals.